Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Trinity. It is good to be together today. My name is Matthew, and I'm the parish pastor here on the east side. Uh, let's continue our service by reading from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 1 to 11. Comfort, O comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her, that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert, a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all people shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up and do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord comes with might and his arm rules for him for his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother's sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus, we um, thank you for this season that reminds us that we're not crazy to feel like we are in a, in a world that is waiting for something. We are. We're waiting for, for consolation. We're waiting for comfort. We're waiting for healing. Lord, even in our best days, the, the world that we live in is a world that we can all see clearly is, is broken, that needs help and rescue. So Jesus, we ask that you would today um, stir up longing and anticipation in our hearts that would fuel our ability to prepare. In Jesus' name, amen. So as Jenny um, kicked us off last week in this season, we are spending Advent thinking deeply about this idea of what happens when heaven meets earth, what happens when God draws near to us and God draws near to heal us. He comes near to embrace us. He comes near to meet our needs. He comes near to reveal himself to us. He comes to us as Emmanuel, which is Hebrew for God with us. God with us in all things, in life and in death and in, in, in well-being and in sickness. Now, today we're going to continue our look at these Isaiah texts that are writing about what, what happens when heaven meets earth. The Advent season is, a, is in many ways, it's, uh, it's symbolized by pregnancy. Uh, pregnancy, as we even have in the painting over my shoulder right now, of the Theotokos, the mother of God holding the baby Jesus. Pregnancy is, is just innate to what the season of Advent is about. And of course, pregnancy is about a lot of things. Uh, pregnancy is about expectation and anticipation. Uh, pregnancy is about growth and change and all those things tie into Advent. But 
For today's uh, passage, what we see is that pregnancy is about preparation. Maybe, maybe most acutely, pregnancy is about preparation. It's a time in which uh, every mother-to-be I've ever known goes into a, a, a period, a season of deep nesting, of reevaluating their home and their money and their life, their friends, their timing, the kind of car they drive, the kind of neighborhood they live in, the kind of school district they're in suddenly goes onto the table. All these things begin to matter differently now as a person, as parents begin to prepare for the child. And there's no way to really fully prepare for what it is like to strap a baby into a car seat and drive off. But you can at least buy a car seat. And that's, that's kind of what pregnancy and preparation is like. It's like you don't really know, but you are kind of, um, you're, you're trying. You're trying to, to do the best you can to get ready for something that you'll never be fully ready for. And that's sort of what Advent is like, I think. It's like, um, it's, it's an acknowledgement that we can't fully know what the world will be like, but we can be taking steps, like baby steps, even in the direction of what it will be like for heaven to meet earth. So today we have this really beautiful, probably well-known text to a number of you. And I just want to say four things from it. And then we'll just, we'll just sort of work our way through the text. The first thing I want to say to you is that God's word to his people is comfort. It's comfort. This word comes to a people who have been in exile for 70 years at this point, 70 years uh, since they were carted off from Jerusalem to Babylon, 70 years and a generation has died off and a new generation has been born that has never seen uh, Israel, never seen the promised land. You start to forget after 70 years, what home is like. You start to forget what it feels like to be in familiar spaces. Maybe you start to think that home never really existed. If you've never seen it, you doubt if it's even a real thing or just something that the old people tell you. You can't find any of the ingredients at the market to make the dishes that taste like home. The food tastes different. The water tastes different. Everything about it, it just isn't, isn't right. And you may start to think, well, this is what the rest of my life is going to be like. The rest of my life is going to be discomfort. The rest of my life is going to be a, a lack of consolation. And God speaks through the prophet and he says, I want you to say, say to my people, says your God, Comfort, oh, comfort my people. I just want to say to you, like at, at the beginning of this Advent season, do you think that God, do you believe God sees you right now? Do you have an instinct or a sense that God is aware of what your life is like uh, right now? Has this uh, year been hard for you? I mean, certainly, almost certainly has. It's been hard for, for everyone I know. Everyone I know is drained. I was talking to a friend this week about how how she was doing. And the word that she just continued to use again and again was the word numb, which feels like a good word for the way that I know a number of people are feeling numb. Um, if I can just be honest for a minute and just tell on myself, um, I set up my Christmas tree on November 7th, which makes me a terrible Anglican. Um, we didn't decorate it. So we're still like not fully in the, the spirit, but we just set it up and plugged it in. Because yes, it's a fake Christmas tree. It's a, it's a fa I own a fake Christmas tree. I'm a terrible Anglican. I'm a terrible environment, environmentalist as well. But can I tell you like, why I set my Christmas tree up on November 7th? It's because I am, at the end of 2020, I am trying to find joy anywhere. Like I'm just trying to find something that feels like, oh, there is, there is life. <laughs> there is something exciting. There is, there, is, there is happiness. It's been a hard year. Like a lot of us are going through hard seasons right now. And the word of God to you and me in this moment is comfort. Oh, comfort my people. 
says your God. Do you hear how possessive the language is? How relational it is? My people, your God. The word comfort in the Hebrew is not a word of empathy or sympathy. God isn't saying, I see you when I feel bad. He, instead, it is a word that means courage. Like, let me give you courage and strength. Second, we see that um, we are told to prepare the way of the Lord. Our second movement moves from the declaration of comfort to the instruction. And the instruction is prepare the way, make the way open. The image in Isaiah is of like a royal caravan where the king is trying to get to a city, but in order to get to the city, the king and his caravan must pass through very rough terrain. And, and he is unable to pass through um, the wilderness spaces. He's unable to get over some of the mountains or to, 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 to scale some of the cliffs to get down into the valleys. And so because of that, he's, he's stuck. He can't get to you. And we're called to clear a way to make a space possible. You can just imagine, especially recently with the, the terrible storms that we had in, in our, in our neighborhood, like the, the fire truck or the ambulance is trying to get down the street to save the life of a person who's having a heart attack, but all the felled uh, trees and power lines are keeping uh, the rescue workers from being able to get, um, to be able to do what they're, they're meant to do. And so we're called to Make a space possible, clear away. There is an action that we're called to in Advent keeping. It's not simply a passive experience where we just count down days or every day open up another little door on a calendar. It's, it's more than that. There's an activity to waiting. Active waiting is, is, is acknowledging that there are things that need to be happening within my life. There are decisions that need to be made. There are things that need to be removed that are right now blocking God from being able to get to me. I think questions that we can be asking during this season are, can God get close to me right now? Or if I uh, so insulated myself, am I so buffeted against God's voice? Is my life so loud? Are the voices that come to me so, so many and so uh, confusing? Is there such a cacophony of noise all around me that God couldn't possibly speak to me? Or if he were to speak, I wouldn't be able to hear it. It would be unintelligible. It would get lost in, in the buzz. Can I make space for God to speak? Do I have the space for silence? Jenny talked last week about how our whole life is about avoiding boredom in so many ways. And whenever we, the only time maybe we're ever really truly quiet is when we're praying, which is one of the reasons that stirs so much anxiety in us. Can I, can I begin to push against that and through that anxiety to create space to be quiet with God? If I look at my life and I can see that there are things that are overgrown and unkempt and spaces where I actually am blocking God from reaching me in some way. Can I begin to make the hard decisions to clear some of these things out? Um, prepare the way of the Lord is the instruction given to us. And specifically, Isaiah expands on it. Specifically, he says, we're going to make the ground level. We need to make the ground level. The image of leveling out uh, the, the, the wilderness terrain is very provocative to me. Um, I had a, a really great conversation with Jenny this week where we just kind of dove into what this, what this means uh, to make the ground level. It's the idea that there are some areas in my life that are maybe too tall and there are some areas that are too shallow that need to be brought up. You know, if we think about the Bible through this lens, it actually helps to make sense of many of the things that are in the Bible that can sometimes appear contradictory. Like, for example, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Uh, actually, Isaiah calls him that, the Prince of Peace. And yet Jesus also says in the Bible, do not think that I have come to bring peace, but a sword. And then he also says, not long after that, peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives. And so what's going on here? Is Jesus just 
crazy? Does he not know what he's saying anymore? And I actually think, no, Jesus is speaking to different terrains. There are some of us in here who are far too likely to make enemies of one another. And Jesus is here to remind you, no, I am actually calling you to be peacemakers. Blessed are, the, are those who make peace. And at the same time, there are those of us who have misdefined peace as uh, the absence or the suppression of any kind of conflict. And Jesus says to you and me, no, you need to understand that actually taking stands for things, believing in things is going to create at times conflict and even division. It's a natural reality. If you follow me, there, it's not, there will be times where you'll experience conflict and division. Do not think that that is not a reality, that that's not part of what I've come here uh, to do. It's not that Jesus lives in this mushy middle where everything means nothing at all, but rather um, following Jesus means being willing to walk alongside him and look at the train of my life and have him point to a thing and say, that's, that's taking up a lot of space on the landscape of your life. Maybe it needs to get brought down a little bit. That seems like you have a lot of importance on that, or it actually seems like you don't care enough about this. Maybe it needs to be raised up. For those of us who were uh, who are shaped by a relativistic ethic, which is like probably a lot of us. I mean, our community, East Atlanta, Decatur, this is, uh, you know, very liberal, progressive sort of bubble. And those of us, therefore, who are more shaped by a, a more relativistic uh, understanding of ethic, we need to understand that following Jesus is going to mean letting Jesus begin to draw boundary lines around morality. That actually is, is saying this is the right way for you and me to live. But those of us who grew up in more religious, more moralistic uh, um, homes, who, who have more of a moralistic ethic guiding us, we need to remember and hear from Jesus. Following Jesus is going to mean him saying to us, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Those of us who are more afraid of being bigoted, then we are afraid of being wrong, need to understand that actually God calls us to walk in a way that is a way of truth. And those of us who are more afraid of being bad than we are of being unloving need to understand that God calls us to be forgiving and understanding people who forbear. Leveling out, understanding the terrain and making a space for God to come to me because these things are actually hindering the way. It can mean something as simple as if you're an extroverted person, extroverts, one of the ways that we can level out the ground of our terrain is doing things on my own accord and not letting everyone else know about them. They're not for everyone else. They're just between me and God. Introverts similarly means uh, leveling out means not being an individualist in every way, uh, choosing to let people in, choosing to share my life with others. If you're a recklessly risky person, it means taking fewer risks. If you're a hyper-conservative person, it means taking more risks. It means having nuanced positions on things and avoiding artificial binaries and extremes. So we support police and we oppose police brutality. We believe in individual responsibility. We also believe in systemic racism. These things can both be true. We can believe in both of these things because we're refusing this artificial binary that pushes us to the extremes and edges of a thing. And instead, we understand that there is nuance that is needed as we try to make the ground level for God to be able to come and speak to us and reach us. And this is why, friends, you and I need the spirit. It's why we need to read our Bibles. It's why we need to be in community. It's why we need to be doing church in some way because Otherwise, we're just sort of walking around in the dark. We don't even know, we don't, we don't even know what is right, what the right way is anymore. There's so many artificial or pseudo-authority voices that come to us regularly through social media, through the news, through whatever it is, through our family. And Jesus says to us, I want you to make the way straight so that I can come and be with you, so that I can get to you. 
which is the fourth thing we see that God is coming. We are preparing for God to come to us. Now, what does that mean that God is coming? Well, let me go back and read a little bit from what we saw in Isaiah 40. Get you up on a high mountain. I love the, get you up. I don't know why it's written that way. Get you up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good things, good tidings and good things. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See the Lord God comes in here with might. And his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. So there's this like sort of uh, impressive, maybe even intimidating picture of God, like sort of marching over the landscape, coming to, 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 to his people. And that might be intimidating for some of us. Actually, I mean, if I, if I think that a king is coming to, to, to conquer my, my city, I, I might be less inclined to clear a path for him. I may actually enjoy hiding behind. If I think that what God's ultimately coming to do to me is to in some way harm me or to shame me or to condemn or judge me or to punish me, uh, I actually may enjoy having lots of mountains and valleys between me and God. I may not actually want him to be very close to me. But Isaiah goes on. He says, for he will, when the king comes, what does he do? He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and he will gently lead the mother sheep. And if I need to clear the way so that the king can come to me to feed me, to lead me, to hold us, that changes the work. It puts, a, it puts some joy in it. That, the, that the, even the sacrifices of lowering things that are very important or raising up things that are very unimportant to me right now, that part of the sacrifice of that movement is actually motivated by the idea that what I most desire in this life, what I'm most looking for in the world is actually what is on the horizon moving towards me even right now. Yes, ultimately true as ultimately as well, which is what Jenny talked about last week. It's like the already and not yet. Yes, there is a sense in which God is ultimately going to come and wipe tears from our eyes and bring consolation to the world. But in this moment right now, there is something available to you and me. If you and I will just simply begin to in cooperation with the spirit, make the ground level so that he can come, so that he can speak. I, I shared this story a couple of years ago, but it, uh, I was reminded of it recently. I was talking with the person in our church and she was sharing with me how she was really struggling in her relationship with God. And, and she said, I just don't really d- desire to have God come to me in power right now. That's not something I'm, I think I could handle, honestly. But then she said this, and I, this is so good. She says, but I think I could handle God coming to me as a baby. And, and what good news, right? Because God is not too proud to come to us as an infant. The Christmas season is a reminder. This picture behind us of the mother of God holding the baby Jesus is a reminder that God is not too proud to come to us as a baby. A helpless, needy child. That he shall come to us and he will feed us and he will carry us and we will carry him. And so make yourself ready. I heard our bishop say a few years ago, something that has stuck with me every Advent since then. And I'm just going to say it again. I believe I shared it last year as well. Um, Our bishop Todd Hunter said, the spiritual giant of Advent is Mary, who heard from the angel that God's Holy Spirit was coming to overshadow her and begin in her a new work. 
The angel said to Mary, God is coming to grow something in you. He's coming to grow something to make himself apparent and revealed on the earth. And what did Mary say? Yes. That's what Mary did. The quiet bent of Mary's heart towards yes is what makes her a spiritual giant. And what might you say yes to God today? Like what, maybe even seemingly small, as Jenny said last week, ordinary, boring, non-flashy, non-exciting, but meaningful way, could you say yes to God today? To begin to make a ground level, to begin to prepare a space for him to come, to draw near to you, to feed you, and to carry you. We're going to see you in a couple of minutes. We're going to be reminded together that God literally feeds us. He feeds us with his son. We're going to eat together and, and drink outside, pray and worship. And I hope you will join us there. So I hope to see you very soon. Grace and peace to you. You are loved.